Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, this is the second time that this has happened, and I'm starting to get pretty annoyed. What about you, Peyton? Okay, we've been recording on the app, and we're not doing that anymore because it just suddenly stops recording, and you can't see it because the screen goes black. So now, for the second time, we're reading chapter seven, right? Honestly. Oh, my God. Okay, book the eighth, The Hostile Hospital. Forgive me if I'm not as enthusiastic as I was the first time. You, we would have been two chapters, chapters ahead of us. We would have been reading seven, eight. We would have been reading chapter nine if this app didn't keep messing up. Annoying. I never thought I'd live to see the day, Violet said, and, and took another look at the page of 13, thir- page 13 of the file. The Baudelaire parents looked back at her for a moment, and it seemed to Violet that her father would step out of the photograph and say, There you are, Ed. Where have you been? Ed was a short for Thomas Alva Edison, one of the greatest inventors of all time, and it was a special nickname he only that only used by her father. But the man in the photograph didn't move, of course, but only stood still, smiling in front of 667 Dark Avenue. Me neither, Klaus said. I never thought we'd see our parents again. The middle Baudelaire looked at his mother's coat, which had a secret pocket inside. The secret pocket, she often kept a small pocket dictionary, which she would take out every every once in a while when she encountered a word she didn't know. Because Klaus was, Klaus was so interested in reading, she promised that someday she would give that pocket dictionary to him, and now it seemed that Klaus, to Klaus that his mother was about to reach into her coat, pull out that small leather-bound book, and put it in his hand. Neither me, Sunny said, and she looked at her parents' smiles and suddenly remembered the first time that, since the fire, that song that her mother and father used to sing her when she was when it was time for Sunny to go to sleep. The song was called The Butcher Boy, and the Baudelaire parents would take turns singing verses, her mother singing in the breathy high voice, and her father, which would sing in a low, deep foghorn voice. The Butcher Boy was a perfect way to put an end of the day, safe and cozy in the Baudelaire crib. The Baudelaire photograph must have been taken. Oh, this photograph must have been taken a long time ago, Violet said. Look at how much younger they look. They don't even have wedding rings on. Because of the evidence discussed on page nine, Klaus said, reading a sentence typed above the photograph, experts now suspect that there may, in fact, be one survivor of that fire, but the survivor's whereabouts are unknown. He stopped and looked at his sister's. What does that mean? He said in a very faint voice. Does that mean one of her parents is still alive? Well, 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 said a familiar snickering voice, and the children heard the odd tottering footsteps walk towards them. Look what we have here. The Baudelaire orphans had been so shocked by what they had found and the for- that they had forgotten about the person breaking into the library of records, and now they looked up to see a tall, skinny figure walking down the bee aisle. Stop. It was a person... Remember, stop was what? From typewriting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't understand why he just does it randomly, though. 
It was a person that they had seen recently and once they had hoped to never see one that they had hoped to never see again. There are many different ways of describing this person, including Count Olaf's girlfriend, the Baudelaire's children's former guardian, the city's sixth most important financial advisor, a former resident of 667 Dark Avenue, and several phrases far too nasty to place in this book. But she preferred the name that she what the name she preferred was one that came snarling out of her lipsticked mouth. I am Esme Gigi Genevieve Squalor, said Esme Gigi Genevieve Squalor, as if the Baudelaire's would ever forget her, no matter how hard they tried. They stopped walking and stood in front of the Baudelaire. She stopped walking and stood in front of the Baudelaire's, who saw immediately why her footstep had been so odd and tottering. For as long as the children had known her, Esme Squalor had been a slave to fashion, a phrase here which means dressed in incredibly expensive and often incredibly absurd outfits. This, this evening, she was wearing a long coat made from fur, made from the fur of a number of animals that had been killed in particularly unpleasant ways, and she was carrying a handbag shaped like an eye, just like the tattoo her boyfriend had on his left ankle. She wore a hat with a small veil and hung in front of her face as if she would blow had blown her nose with a black lacy handkerchief and then just forgotten to remove it. And on her feet, she had a pair of shoes with stiletto heels. A stiletto is a small, slender knife resembling a dagger, such as might be carried by a carnival performer or a murderer. And the word used, stiletto, has been used to describe a woman's shoe with a very long and narrow heel. In this case, however, the phrase shoes with stiletto heels actually refers to a pair of shoes made with small slender knives where each heel should be. The stilettos were... Wait, sorry. The stilettos were... We're pointing straight down so that Esme viciously stabbed the floor of the library of records with each step, and occasionally the stiletto stuck and the so the wicked woman would have to pause and yank them out of the floor, which ex- did she have her coffee that day or no, I don't think she has her coffee any day because she's too grumpy oh yeah she oh, yeah um in that in the movie she actually says when he told her to look for the Baudelaire's, she, mm-hmm. she said only thing I could find was this hot brown stuff. <clears throat> so gross, but I w- still want to drink it. Is it coffee? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. These shoes have happened to be the absolute latest fashion, but the Baudelaire's are, had more important things to do than leaf through a magazine describing what was in and what was out so that they could stare at Esme's shoes and wonder why she was wearing footwear that was so violent and impractical. This is a pleasant surprise, Esme said. Olaf asked me to break in here and destroy the Baudelaire file, but now I can destroy the Baudelaire's as well. You ch- the children looked at each other in shock. You and Olaf know about the file, Violet asked. Esme laughed in a particularly nasty way, and from behind her veil, she smiled a particularly nasty smile. Of course we know about it, she snarled. That's why I'm here, to destroy all 13 pages. She took one odd, tottering step towards the Baudelaire's. That's why we just read Jock Snicket. She took another stabbing step towards the aisle, and that's where we're going to destroy you. She looked down at her shoe and shook her foot wildly to get the blade out of the library floor. Heimlich Hospital is about to have three new patients, she said, but I'm afraid I'll be too late for any doctor to save their lives. Klaus stood up and followed his sisters as they began to step away from the slave to fashion who was moving slowly towards them. Who survived the fire? asked Esme. Oh, who survived the fire? asked Esme, holding up the page from the file. 
Oh, he asked Esme. Who survived the file? He asked Esme, holding up the file from the page. Uh, the page from the file. Is it one of her? Is one of her parents alive? Esme frowned and teetered in her stiletto heels as she tried to snatch away the page. Did you read the file? She demanded in a terrible voice. What does the file say? You'll never find out, Violet cried and turned to her siblings. Run! The Bodo Lairs ran straight down the aisle, past the rest of the B files, rounding the corner, and past a cabinet that read Byron to Byzantate, Byzantine, and around the section of the library of all the C files, where all the C files were stored. Running the wrong, we're running the wrong way, Klaus said. Agris, Sunny agreed, which meant something along the lines of Klaus is right, the exit is the other way. So was Ed, sorry, that was my foot. <laughs> so was Esme, Violet replied. Somehow we're going to have to get around her. I'm coming for you, Esme cried, coming over the top of the file cabinets. You'll never escape, orphans. But the Baudelaire's paused at the cabinet, reading Conch to Condi's Fluid, which are, which are a fancy shell in a complex chemical compound, and listened as Esme's heels clattered in pursuit. We're lucky she's wearing those ridiculous shoes, Klaus said. We can run much faster than she can. Well, as long as she doesn't think of taking them off, Violet said, she's almost as clever as she is greedy. Shush, Sunny said, and the Baudelaire's listened as Esme stepped a step footsteps abruptly stopped. The children huddled together as they heard as they heard Olaf's girlfriend mutter to herself for a moment. And then the three youngsters began to hear a terrifying sequence of sounds. There was a long screechy creak, and then a boom crash, and then another a long, boot, a long screechy creak, and another boom crash, and the pair of sounds continued getting louder and louder. The youngsters looked at one another in puzzlement, and then, just in the nick of time, the oldest Baudelaire figured out what she was. That what the sound was. She's knocking over the file cabinets, Violet cried, pointing over to the top of the confetti. Pointing over to the top of confetti in consecration. They're toppling over like di- dominoes. Klaus and Sunny looked over where their sister was pointing and saw that she was right. Esme had pushed over one file cabinet, which was pushing over another, which had pushed over another, and now the heavy metal cabinets were crashing towards the children like a crash of waves on the shore. Violet grabbed her siblings and pulled them out of the path of the falling cabinets. With a creak and a crash, the cabinet fell to the floor, right where they had been standing. The three children breathed a sigh of relief, which, having just narrowing being avoided, narrowly be avoided being crashed beneath the files on the congruent triangles, con- con- coniferous trees, conjugated verbs, and 200 other topics. I am going to flatten you, as may called, staring at another line of cabinets olaf and i are going to have a romantic breakfast of baudelaire pancakes run sunny cried but her siblings needed no urging the three children hurried down the rest of the sea aisle and the cabinets creaked and crashed all around them where can we go violet cried to the d aisle klaus answered but changed his mind when he saw another row of cabinets being toppled no to the e aisle b Violet found herself asking and finding it difficult to hear over the sound of the cabinets. E! Ex- uh, Klaus cried. E is an exit. The Baudelaire's ran down the E as an exit, but they reached the last cabinets of the rows, becoming F and fall- as in falling cabinets. G as in go the other way, and H as in how in the world are we going to escape? Before, before long, the children found themselves far from the anteroom door as po- they possibly could be. 
as Esme crashed around them, as the cabinets crashed around them, and Esme cracked wildly and stabbed the floor in pursuit. The three youngsters found themselves in the area of the, of the library of records where the information was deposited. As the room creaked and crashed around them, the siblings looked at the first basket of papers and then at a bowl of paper clips and the mouth of the chute and finally one another. Violet Klaus said hesitantly, do you think that you can invent something out of paper clips and a basket that could help us get out of here? Well, I don't have to, Violet said. That chute will serve as an exit. But you won't fit in there, Klaus said, and I'm not even sure I will. Oh, you're never going to get out of this room, you alive, you imbeciles. Esme cried, using a horrible word in her horrible voice. We'll have to try, Violet said. Sunny, you go first. Prapple, Sunny said doubtfully, but she went first, crawling easily into the chute and staring out through the darkness of her siblings. Now you, Klaus, Violet said, and Klaus, removing his glasses so that they wouldn't break, followed his sister. It was a tight fit, and it should, and it took some maneuvering, but eventually he got, eventually the middle Baudelaire worked his way through the mouth of the chute. This won't work, Violet said. The Klaus said to Violet, peering around him. It'll, it'll be tough to crawl up the chute the way it's slanted. Besides, there's no way you'll fit. Then I'll find another way, Violet said. Her voice was calm, but Klaus and Sunny could see that the hole of the wall could see the hole in the wall that her eyes were wide with fear. That's out of the question, Klaus said. We'll climb back down, and the three of us will escape together. We can't risk it, Violet said. Esme won't catch all of us, not if we split up. You two take page 13 and I'll go up. Th- you two take page 13 and go up the chute and I'll go another way. We'll meet up in the, f- in the finishing wing. No, Sunny cried. Sunny was right, Klaus said. This happened with the quagmires, remember? When we left them behind, they were snatched away. The quagmires are safe now, Violet reminded him. Don't worry and I'll invent a solution. The eldest Baudelaire gave her siblings a small smile and reached into her pocket so that she could <clears throat> tie up her hair and put and put the levers and gears of her inventing mind into motion. But there was no ribbon in her pocket. As her remembering fing- as her trembling fingers explored her empty pocket, she remembered that she had used her ribbon to fool Hal with a fake loop of keys. Violet felt a quiver in her stomach as she remembered, but she had no time to feel bad about the trick she had played. When, with sudden horror, she heard a creaking right before, right behind her. <sighs> and she jumped out of the way just in time to avoid the crash. A file cabinet labeled linguistics to lions fell against the wall, blocking the mouth of the chute. Violet, Sunny cried. She and her brother tried to push the cabinets aside, but the strength of the 13-year-old boy and his baby sister were no match against the metal casing case files holding cap case holding files on everything from the history of the language to the large carnivorous felines found in a sub-saharan desert in parts of india i'm okay violet cried not for long you weren't esme snarled at a few aisles over klaus and sunny sat in the dark in the dark chute and heard their sister's faint voice call to them leave me here she insisted i'll meet you back at the old and I'll meet you back in our old, filthy, cold, inappropriate home. The young, the two young Baudelaire's huddled together in the entrance of the chute, but it is useless for me to describe to you how desperate and terrified they felt. There's no reason to describe how horrible it was to hear Violet's frantic footsteps across the library of records or 
the odd, tottering one of Esme as she pursued the eldest Baudelaire on her stiletto heels, creaking and crashing files with every stabbing step. It is necessary to describe the cramped, the the cramped and difficulty journey, difficult journey that Klaus and Sonny had made up the chute, which was slanted so steeply that they felt like the two orphans that they were crawling a large mountain covered in ice instead of a fairly short chute used for depositing information. It is ineffectual to describe the two how the two children felt when they finally reached the end of the chute, which was another hole carved into the outside of the wall of Heimlich Hospital and found that Hal was right when he said that it was it was to be particularly cold, a cold evening. It is absolutely futile, a word here which means useless, unnecessary, and ineffectual because it was no reason for it to describe how they felt as they sat in a half-finished section of the library with drop cloths, drop cloths wrapped around them to keep them warm and a flashlight lit around them to keep cut them company and waited for Violet to show up because Klaus and Sonny were not thinking of these things. The two young younger Baudelaire sat together, clutching page, the page of clutching page 13 of the Baudelaire file as the night grew later and later, but they were not thinking about the noises they had heard coming up from the library of records or about the journey up the chute or even about the icy breeze as it blew into blew through the plastic sheets and chilled the Baudelaire to the bones. Klaus and Sonny were thinking about was that Violet, what Violet said when she saw the piece of paper that they were clutching to. I never thought that I'd live to see the day, Violet said to her other two siblings as they knew the phrase was just another way of saying, I'm very surprised, or I'm extremely flabbergasted, or this blows my mind beyond belief. But now, as the two Baudelaire's waited more and more anxiously for their sister, Klaus and Sonny began to fear the phrase Violet used more inappropriately than she ever would have guessed. At first, as the first pale rays of the morning sun began to shine the, on the unfinished half of the hospital, the Baudelaire's grew more and more frightened that their sister would not live to see that day. How scary. Scare, scare. Scare to the scare, scare. Right, Pei? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's up?